Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining me for another fabulous interview on the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. I'm so grateful to have you all here with me this week, and I cannot wait for you to hear our latest episode. So this week, we're chatting with Reed Davis, an expert in functional lab testing and holistic lifestyle medicine. He is the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition, FDN, and the FDN certification course with more than 4,000 graduates in 50 countries. His groundbreaking approach focuses on identifying and addressing the root causes of health imbalances, offering individuals a path to optimal wellness. In this episode, we delve into the power of functional diagnostic testing, uncovering the hidden factors that may be hindering you from your well-being and vitality. Reed shares tips for taking back control of your own health, his dress for success protocol, how stress impacts our wellness, and much more. Reed also has a guidebook with simple steps to better health, which Wellness and Wanderlust listeners can download for free for a limited time at the link in our show notes, so be sure to check it out. I'd like to thank Laird Superfood for sponsoring this episode. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I'm always on the go and looking for quick lifestyle shifts that can make a major impact on my health. That is why I love Laird Superfood products. I'm a big fan of their functional mushroom coffee with chaga and lion's mane. It's a great way to boost my energy for the day while getting a lot more out of my cup. All Laird products are sustainably sourced and thoroughly tested to ensure that you are incorporating the cleanest, finest fuel into your routine. They offer a variety of snacks and supplements full of wholesome plant-based ingredients to keep you charged for wherever life takes you. Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com slash Wanderlust and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code Wanderlust at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. All right, my friends, now let's dive into this week's conversation. Reed, thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thank you, Valerie, for having me. Happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you on. I'm really excited to get into the topic of what you do. Before we really dive into that, why don't you first just introduce yourself to our listeners and share a little bit about how you got into the holistic health space? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, now I run a company of really highly qualified, skilled, and very caring people. We teach functional lab work as it applies to all natural drug-free solutions around the world, where I think we're in 50 countries now. But it started back in the last century, actually in 1999, I was saving the whole planet, air, birds, water, trees, bees, you know, I was in environmental law and conservation. And I was doing some good in the world. And that's a happy place for me when I feel that I have a purpose. But I was seeing how bad the environment was hurting flora and fauna and so on. And I decided I wanted to work with people instead. I was wondering, well, what about people? What's it doing to us, including me? I didn't have any health problems, but I didn't want anything to sneak up on me either. So I changed gears. I went to work in a clinic a wellness center in Southern California that had different types of doctors and things. And I just fell in love there with the clinical side. The As soon as I started working there, and I was hired basically to, to run the business end of things, but the owner invited me to attend a nutrition uh, course she was taking to get her doctorate or uh, diplomat in nutrition, said that I could be, be a certified nutritional therapist. And I thought, at first, I just thought, what the heck? It's an opportunity you don't get. I mean, she said that I could work on her patients in between my classes. And I was thought, well, I'm never going to hear that opportunity again. So yes, I'll do. And that's when I fell in love with the clinical side, the business, meeting people where they're at, face-to-face in the clinic. They were coming in for something else, like chiropractic or acupuncture or something, but I got to see them too and ask them what's going on. And what I was amazed with, Valerie, was just one after another. They'd been to six or eight people already, maybe 10 people. And even though we were helping them maybe with that chiropractor acupuncture, they still had all these problems. And I thought, well, that's kind of a ripoff, you know? Maybe I can help. And so I spent quite a bit of time on that, wondering what what is it I could do. I was doing my nutrition, nutrition classes, but that was only helping so much, like with the selling supplements and things. So just very, very lucky for me. I ran into the right people at the right time. And I got access to all these what are now called functional lab work. 
So this was saliva testing, urine testing, stool testing, and some blood work, of course. But it was for people who'd already kind of been to their doctor and was told nothing's wrong with you. They ran blood work. Have you heard that before? Like your physician said, nothing's wrong. Everything looks normal. Mm-hmm. Very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's something wrong and people know something's wrong. And there's me. I didn't know a lot. I had a lot to learn, Valerie, but I had nothing to unlearn. You know, I was kind of an open book and I was also an accomplished academic, you know, environmental law and all this. I knew I could figure things out and I went to work running those labs. And another thing occurred to me was that not only are these people caught like in a cycle of trial and error, I called it, you tried this, you tried that, you tried this, you tried that. A lot of those practitioners with their supplements or programs, therapies, whatever, were making money off these people, but they weren't really serving them. And by the way, I thought that wasn't very rewarding. I mean, how could that be rewarding? You're not really helping people. And so, I, again, with the labs and making my own observations, along with some really good counseling and mentorship, of course, from, from some brilliant people, I started to sort things out and find out what was really wrong with them. And because I wasn't a medical doctor, I, I couldn't diagnose or treat anything. And that line was always very, very clear to me. As a matter of fact, the doctors are kind of laughed and said, Gee, Reed, you can't write prescriptions or make diagnosis. You're going to have to figure out what's really wrong with them. <laughs> and I spent the next 10 years, 10 years there, working my butt off. Now, to me, it was kind of fun, but, you know, working really hard to figure out what was wrong. And I came across, I kind of evolved the system of investigation, number one, investigating what's really wrong with people. And I discovered this pattern that exists in the, in the lab work that I was able to then duplicate, like it started to be like, wow, this pattern really, here, we're, we're going to test this, this, and this. And then we're going to then apply the general principles of healing. We're not going to treat anything specifically like a physician. We're not going to sell you, just sell you some supplements or, you know, we certainly weren't writing any prescriptions at the time or now. We weren't doing surgery, that's for sure. You know, so we, once we discovered what's really wrong and that followed a pattern, I'll give you the pattern, then apply the principles of healing that people themselves could be in control of so that they weren't being controlled by others. And that was something that I also really bothered me in the beginning. Not only were they caught in that cycle of trial and error, but they had given up control of their own health. And I thought it should be in, it should be in our own hands, right? Yeah. And so, you know, the story goes that after 10 years, you, you stumble across a few things. And I was very much into codifying and tracking, making sure I could get the same results with the next person and the next person, the next person. Matter of fact, early on, I was out riding my motorcycle, as I do all the time. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be the last person these people need to see. I'm going to put control of their health back in their hands. And I'm going to be the last one they need to see because of that. And that's what we've strived for for the last quarter century. And uh, eventually I was asked to teach. You know, we had such a good thing going on. This pattern, we call it H-I-D-D-E-N, that spells hidden. And for most practical purposes, they are hidden. The hormone problems, the immune system problems, detoxification and digestion, of course. And then E is energy and N is nervous system balance the autonomic system. So H-I-D-D-E-N became my gold standard investigative methodology. And when I got that data on a person, a real person, and correlated it with them, they always said the same thing. I can't believe you figured this out. You figured out my problem. This explains why I feel so lousy. When others either hadn't even bothered to figure it out or just said, you know, here, try my therapy, try my therapy. Maybe this will help. Maybe that. Well, maybe just don't cut it. Not for me. So I had, so I developed that system of hidden. Those, that's the investigative, looking for those problems, healing opportunities in those areas. And then I couldn't get out the prescription pad. So like I said, I had to come up with a system that they could follow, that they would be in control of. And we call that D-R-E-S-S, dress for health success. And that stands, of course, for diet and rest and exercise, and stress reduction, and supplementation. And those are each big areas that I spent years studying to individualize them. So they're individualized. D-R-E-S-S -S sounds simple. Diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, 
supplementation. Well, who doesn't know that? But when you apply it systematically, according to the data, like the lab test results and the person, it's called clinical correlation. You know, Mrs. Smith, does this explain why you feel so lousy? Yes, Reed, and I can't believe you did this. So happy that someone finally figured out their problems. Now, how do I fix it? Well, here you have to live a certain way. You know, you can't keep doing the same things some of the time. There's there's kind of rules, consequences of certain behaviors. And so we sorted it all out to make it easy for a person to understand, number one. And then, of course, the last thing is the coaching methodology, which is based on goal setting and positive psychology and frequent visits to hold people accountable and answer their questions and keep them on track and change course when necessary. I mean, things occur. So you have to be able to adjust course. But step one was the hidden stressors, what run the labs, get the data. Step two is correlate it with a unique individual, one person, so that it explains everything. And step three is to coach them up through the dress process, to, to give them a customized dress program that will is, you know, with all reasonable expectations, going to fix their problems. It's so fascinating and I love that you continue to help people in, in this new in this new setting and how you were able to really apply that. Because I do when you asked, like, can I relate or have I experienced that? Absolutely. I've gone to doctors before where they've said, Well, these very common labs that we would test for, numbers look good. So everything must be functioning and you're totally mm. fine. Yeah. And there have been very few times where something came up on a very a basic lab and the doctor was able to say, hey, change this behaviorally or whatever. And it actually made that difference. Like I think so often these things are hidden or there are correlations between things going on in our bodies that we just are not connecting the dots when we're not those medical professionals or we don't have that experience. And so I think it's really amazing how you take that and you individualize it too. Because I've even had doctors say, well, you know, maybe I, I asked one time for thyroid, well, what should I be doing to help with my nutrition? And doctor said, well, don't go too crazy on seafood, but don't cut it out. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a very strange and I don't really yeah. eat seafood. And so not a very helpful answer. And then just said, well, watch what you eat. But, yeah. you know, really taking that and individualizing that and actually making it something that we can take action on and move forward with. I'm glad you mentioned this area because it's really important to not blame doctors. We can't blame the doctors because they're not trained in what we do. And all those people coming in the office at first that said, you know, my doctor just wants to put me on drugs or my doctor said there's nothing wrong with me or something like that. They, they were kind of blaming the doctor like it's their fault. And what I learned later was that they really had their ladder up against the wrong wall. They were going to a physician whose job is to identify disease and serious disease processes and provide some intervention to slow that down or even stop it. That's not what natural medicine is. That's not what, what, what I do is called functional diagnostic nutrition and, and nurturing, FDN. It's known around the world as FDN and to be not medical, but that doesn't make medical bad. See, me medicine knows how to intervene when it's when the downward spiral is really contracted. So, you know, if you go into a physician and you make certain complaints and they run certain labs, they may find something that's really going south. And that's what you want them for. But they're not going to find the little subtle things that don't show up on their particular blood work. So that's why they well, everything looks normal. That's what they're trained to do. And they've saved a lot of lives, believe me. So we just we just had our ladder up against the wrong wall. You don't want to climb the, the wall of drugs and surgery. You want your ladder on the wall of, well, what's the right diet? What's, you know, how do I get a better night's sleep and exercise and reduce stress and, and take my supplements and the right ones that are going to help me with what I have going on? So that's a different wall. So we can't blame the doctors. I, I always think that's important to yeah, doctors have been I, I had life saving surgery as a as a little mm -hmm. kid where it was a very obvious thing that was wrong. Um, he did do a kind of groundbreaking surgery that that he had sort of designed and it was life changing, life saving. I'm still here today. Very thankful for that. But it's so true that so much of what we're going through on a daily basis is not killing us quickly, at least. And so it may not be as easily detectable or it may not be at that at that point. Yes, exactly. So the, the way I put that is that there are observations that I can make 
with our functional labs, these saliva and urine and stool testing and, and some blood work, uh, the observations I can make, it take time to capitalize on. You know, we have to work with you for, for some time and sometimes protracted things. It's going to take a while to heal, right? So the things that doctors are really good at is when that timeline is really shortened. Mm-hmm. So, so we call it a, a contracted, not protracted. So if the downward spiral is really contracted, then there's no time to capitalize on my observations, the, the labs I run. That's when the physician can say, hey, we need to get you out of the woods here real quick. And here's some medication that's going to save your behind. And then you can work on everything else too. You can still do our work, but it, the, the work, and, and it's your work, it's called self-treating really and self-managing, but we coach you and it, it takes time and it works around the edges of whatever that thing is. If you have a medical thing, it works around the edges of it until what? It could be gone. It could go away if you just keep at it. And so I've seen people in three months, completely change your life around, and sometimes three years. Some problems are really deep, and the recovery process is lengthy, but you know what? You can do it. Everyone can do it. That's why health coaching is so popular these days. People realize, you know, if I had a like a coach, for, people have business coaches and tennis coaches and, you know, personal trainers and all kinds of, so someone that knows how to read these labs the right way and, you know, interpret that and, and get you on track with the customized dress, the DRESS program, that's the kind of coach you want. And we hang in there with people. We encourage you and we keep you on track and we change course, as I said. So it's really quite, quite remarkable. It's a great field to be in. I would imagine that has to be so rewarding and so fulfilling. I mean, especially, as you said, having these patients come in who have said, like, I can't believe you figured this out and no Mm -hmm. one's ever been able to. And I think that when you're really struggling with your health and not sure where to turn, you can feel so out of control. And even if you get the lab work yourself somehow and try to interpret it you know, online. I mean, if you're not a trained professional, you're going to be going to Dr. Google who will tell you something horrible and it's not at all what you should be doing. And um, so to have that person that's really an advocate for you that can customize it for you and, and understand you on that bio-individual level. Exactly. And you can even have a medical problem and still work with that person, again, around the edges of it. And they don't conflict with each other. They complement each other. You know, when I started in 1999, we were called alternative medicine. It was an alternative clinic. Well, soon it became, I started hearing this word complementary because it was working. So they couldn't dismiss it as just alternative. But And then it became integrative where, hey, let's do both together. And now it's called functional medicine. And we're, we kind of pioneered a lot of the things that they do. I, I think it still has a ways to go. Functional medical doctors are still diagnosing and treating specifics. And that's just how their algorithms work. Their licensure and insurance and and all these things contain them into that system. So they have to diagnose and treat. And they might be looking a little bit further upstream and they might be more into some of the natural therapies and things. But um, it has not arrived yet. Because the moment you diagnose and you tell someone the name of their problem, you're forgetting the other eight things they have to work on. Remember, it's not, it's hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy production, nervous system balance, there's oxidative stress, you know, there's others. So, you know, you need an epigenetic program, which means influencing your genes to keep you healthy. And, and it does require comprehension and it's fun. It's fascinating. And with the systems that I created in the office, you know, using the acronyms, using the step-by-step, make it easy on people. It's kind of cool. It works. Oh yeah. Now I'm curious when you're, when you're working with patients and I'm sure you have, you know, a whole host of people that are coming in with different things, but what would you say, especially for the listeners who may not have pursued this type of treatment before, um, what are some of the most common complaints you typically see among your patients and start to conduct testing for? Well, it's a great question. You, you name it, you know, we have people who are tired and fatigued and overweight and don't sleep well and their hair thins out and they get grumpy. (laughs) Lots of things that are coming, but they're also vague. They're not medical conditions. So if you go into someone who's 
job is to diagnose and treat specifics with a bunch of vague complaints and they run your blood work and it looks quote unquote normal, then you're going to be, you're going to go into the cycle of trial and error. You're going to try this diet and that diet. You're going to try these products and those products, program after program. So until you come across a system, and I'm sure there's others like ours, but kind of fond of ours because it took me 10 years to figure it out. And I've been teaching it since 2008. So a long time. And we learn as we go, of course, but it it's a, it's a system of being in control yourself and you just need the data. You need data. You have to have, well, what are my, what, what do you mean hormone problem? Uh, which hormones and, and how are they out of balance? Is it estrogen over progesterone or is it cortisol over DHEA? See, there's lots of imbalances that could occur. And when you see your cortisol high over DHEA, one's catabolic, cortisol breaks your body down, and DHEA is anabolic, it builds your body up. So you'd want to balance. Of course, you're going to break down, build up, break down, build up. That's normal, that's natural, that's the way it goes. But when you're breaking down faster than you're building up, how do you think you feel? And then you're tired, you're fatigued, and you need stimulants in the morning. You need sedatives at night. You're just not as happy as you used to be. And then what happens is your immune system goes down because high cortisol to DHEA will drive secretory IgA down. The secretory IgA is the main ingredient in the lining of your gut, the lining the mucosal barrier. So we see that being chronically low in people with chronically high cortisol. And well, then what happens? They, they end up with a dysbiosis. All these things can be measured. I can show you on paper how these dominoes start to fall. And so you have someone who maybe they were doing great. Uh, they could be in any profession, any person, anywhere, you know, raising children. Believe it or not, that's stressful. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> <laughs> I have. You know, it's like, well, you don't work. What do you mean I don't work? I raised four kids, you know, like that work, man. And then as their body starts to break down and you get the, the immune system, then the digestion isn't as good as it used to be. That leads to nutrient deficiencies and upsets. And boy, we could go down that rabbit hole for a whole hour easily. And then, then detoxification, you get the sort of leaky gut, you get antigen penetration, you get basically a congested liver. And now, now you're not detoxifying. That spills over things, especially into the other detoxifying organs, your skin and your kidneys and your colon and your lymph system and your lungs even. So you, you see people with all these different types of symptoms and it all can go back to the stress, the downward spiral, the dysfunction, again, hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy production is highly affected, especially if you're not eating perfectly for your type. And then nervous system balance. People are too sympathetic dominant. They're in fight flight, which is, guess what? We just made a complete circle. You just completed a circle right there. The more dysfunctional, the more demand for cortisol and the more dysfunctional you get. That's why we call it a downward spiral. And um, what I sorted out was all the labs to run. It sounds like a lot. It might sound expensive and I'm sorry, it's not. You're going to invest a little money in some labs, but you can do them at home. Except one, you get a blood draw, but the others you do it, do at home. You're kind of self-testing. You're working with a professional who knows exactly what that all means and can teach you. So it's very empowering. And I think you remember the first goal I set out to accomplish was to put people back in control of their own health. So data is important. Believe me, I can go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's so, that really is so important because I think we as patients don't always know what to ask for and what could be causing, like so many, you're so right with some of these symptoms just being so vague. And for example, I have Hashimoto's, which I've mm. known for a long time, did yep. not know until a couple of years ago or about a year ago that I had pernicious anemia. And so sometimes wondering, well, is the is the fatigue, are some of those symptoms tied to the anemia or are they tied to the thyroid or is it something else entirely? And I, I've been the queen of vague symptoms <laughs> my whole life and not vague symptoms. And it's very challenging. It came 
can be really easy to, I think, give up as a patient sometimes. And so to have, again, this empowerment of here is the information for you. Here are some actual tangible things you can do to start feeling better rather than just, you know, sometimes I have with the pernicious anemia, I do take a methylated B vitamin and that's really helped, but it's so often it's it's not an easy fix or it's not, a, you know, it's not going to be a quick fix. There's going to be a lot of change and it is very multifaceted, as you said, with this protocol. And I understand that it has to probably differ a lot by health condition and whatever the person is going through. But in terms of the Dress for Health Success protocol, is there anything kind of universally that we should all be doing? Or what are some of like the more common changes that your that your patients often will be making? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And I'll take you back uh, to the dress protocol. We start with the weakest area. So you can eat according, to, we call it metabolic typing. You eat according to your genetics, your metabolic type. You know, it's kind of ancestral dieting, but not all ancestral diets are made the same. So you have an ancestral diet and you have a sleep pattern. We really help people fix their sleep. A lot of times they're just going to bed earlier, and getting up earlier and getting with the natural circadian rhythm that humans have. We're diurnal. We're not nocturnal. There's nocturnal animals and there's diurnal. And it's all prescripted by the sun and the moon and this, you know, all that stuff. I mean, you just are a certain way. So diet is metabolic typing. We have we create sleep sanctuaries and make sure people get a good night's sleep for the right hours per day. And then exercise. There's no one program that's right for everybody. So you gotta meet people where they're at and fit that. Now stress reduction is huge because there's so many different types. There's that mental emotional. There's the physical trauma and aches and pains and things from injuries like I've had. And then there's the chemical and biochemical. You make your own toxins. You make your own poisons, so to speak, believe it or not. And there's enough in the environment to kill and choke a horse. You know, we all know that, right? So we could go on and on. So you got the diet right for you, rest. You got exercise. You got stress reduction, sorting that out. And we use labs like food sensitivity testing. That's a major stressor. It also covers diet. So, you know, you, you get with one test, you're getting two big lifestyle areas and then supplements they're very interesting and i don't have my own line but i know a lot about them and i, I teach how to use supplements properly vitamins minerals essential fatty acids there's trace elements and phytonutrients and all the amino acids and how they, they break down in their neurotransmitters blah 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 so there's a lot to know but it's five simple areas d-r-e-s-s and we start and answer your question with the weakest area where once we've done the lab work and we know what the healing opportunities are basically what needs fixing or rebalancing or repairing or restoring and rebuilding you know all that from data it takes professional assessment but then the the rest is up to the person we're going to work together on d-r-e-s-s sort that out your weakest area and the third thing is the coaching and again, I'm not picking on doctors. I love doctors, but it's what you do between visits that matters. And that's how I started, Valerie, a long time ago was telling, you know, look, you're coming in the office for your chiropractic treatments. That's great. Good job. What are you doing between visits? And that's how I came up with the DRESS. What are you eating? What time do you go to bed? How do you rest? Are you exercising? Joining a gym? Various things. And so over 10 years of that kind of consulting, I figured out some patterns and started making it easy for people to do and to remember and to stay on track and to be accountable. Because if you have a health problem and you want to get rid of it, you can. Yeah. Well, I'm laughing too, thinking about, um, you know, what happens in between visits. It was a not medical mm -hmm. visit, but I had a massage earlier in the week. I've been having a lot of back and, and neck pain and some stress. And I think also from sitting at a desk all day and, mm -hmm. at my day job. And it was so funny. I left the massage feeling so great. And then I got to the office the next day, was hunched over, was starting to get sore again. I'm thinking, wow, this is what I'm doing for the several weeks in between appointments. And like I am doing the stretches she showed me, but I'm thinking, wow, there's actually so much more that I should be conscious of in between so that it's not so bad when, you know, when I get there finally for those appointments, because it's, I mean, it's true what you, what you get out of those office visits is great, but if you're not able to take something with you or. Yes. You know, I found that Pilates was one of my favorite forms of exercise because it's works with your core strength. 
So you learn to sit with better posture. At my lectures, sometimes I'm looking at a group of people when I'm up on the stage or whatever, and I say, okay, now everyone sit up straight. <laughs> You'd be amazed how many people have to shift their posture. They, no one is sitting up straight. There's one person who didn't have to move, and it's because he's meditating or something. You know, it's like, it's like yeah, everyone, everyone has this weak, poor posture. You have no core strength. So there's things to start working on. Is kind of going back to your question, where do you start? What do you do? It's your weakest area. For most people, it's diet, frankly, and, and sleep, you know, but then stress. I would say there's people just don't even know what's stressing them. They can't even identify. I don't know why I'm so stressed out. Well, you work two jobs and have three kids. And, and gee, do you think that might be a little stressful in today's world with the radio playing in the car and the news on at home? And say, oh, my God, there's so much stress. That's not even to mention the air the water, the electromagnetic frequencies, the radiation, and and then homes can have mold. You can have personal care products that aren't working for you. They're working against you. Same thing with household cleaning products and all the stuff that's on the market. They put fire retardants on children's clothing. But yeah, there's a lot of things that could stress you out that you don't even know are happening. So it's good to, to get some training and to be aware. And I think working with a, we call our people FDN practitioners. So functional diagnostic nutrition. I teach them what I learned in 10 years in about 10 months to a year. It's, it's a full-time study program with people who usually they have some kind of health problem, but they are working on it and they want to help others so they get certified by me and then they go out in the world and you know they've solved their own problem they go out and help others just like them and they make a good living doing it by the way well i'm sure i mean there's such a need for it and i really don't think that there can be too many because everybody is going to relate to someone differently is going to take something different away from whichever practitioner they're working with and i think that if you have someone who brings a unique set of experiences with them that mm-hmm. maybe you identify with with, I mean, there's certainly so that has to be so rewarding for them. And again, it is something that there really is truly a need for. I would imagine that the sleep and the stress kind of often, or at least I know in my case personally, but I would imagine they often go hand in hand. <laughs> yes, it all goes sort of hand in hand. I mean, when I'm explaining the dress program, I hold up a hand, you know, and I go D R E S S, point my fingers. If someone says to me, "Hey, what should I take?" like they think just supplements are going to do it. I remind them, again, look look at your hand, the fingers, D R E S S. Supplements is what? 20% of the problem. It's never just the supplements. It's never just the stress. There's the exercise, the sleep, the diet, and you can just just sort it out. You get up in the morning. By the way, what's a big stressor? I think I mentioned it is just getting up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, like you get up with a bad attitude. Well, plan on having a bad day. You get up with a great attitude. <laughs> I'm always saying funny things, but you get up with a great (laughs) attitude. (laughs) You still have a bad day, but you won't know it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing, but I I really think that there is a way, there's a plan, and I'm just tickled that I've been able to help as many people as, like when you you were asking me, what are some of the common complaints? I think a case after case. One mom was coming in for chiropractic and nutrition, and you know she just had some aches and pains, and also some low energy and a few pounds to lose. You know, not too tough a case at all. But her kid, she said, "Reed, do you ever work with children?" I said, "Yeah, I've been a football coach for 15 years. Love kids. Raised four kids. And why? Oh, they want to put my son on drugs at school because he is." poking at the other kids and not paying attention. I said, what do you mean? There's a doctor there? She goes, no, it's just the teacher and the principal one one of them. I said, well, they can't say that. You know, that's not allowed. So anyway, she goes, I know, and I don't want to do it, but what else can I do? They want them to stay home. If I, I said, I don't know if I could help or not, but let's run some labs. What do I do? I run labs. Found out some things that were irritating this boy's nervous system. By the way, he was only nine. A poor nine-year-old, a nine-year-old kid, being, you need drugs. So something wrong with this world. But within a very short period of time, I think it was three weeks after we got our test results and cleaned up the boy's diet and sleep patterns and exercise and things like that, kind of the dress program for a kid, 
the principal of the school tracked me down and said, Mr. Davis, you know, I've got your number from so-and-so, and I just want to know, Billy, he's such a you know improved young man. He's paying attention. He doesn't poke at the other kids. He's not being kicked out of class kind of a thing. What did you put him on? Which just, oh, it just ruined the whole thing for me. Is that I had discovered some magic pill or something. I said, no, sir. What we put him on was a cleaner diet and lifestyle and sleep program and things like that. It's, it's not just, and he you know, didn't want to talk much after that. But the point is that it wasn't just, you know, some supplement or something. And we really helped. And that's why I agree with you. It feels so good to do this kind of work. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I remember hearing that, you know, my my dad was one of those kids in school who probably had ADHD, did not have the diagnosis. And he said in those days that a lot of times when the kids were acting up, the kids that were acting up were sent to run around outside and to exercise and that that and he used to do that when he was babysitting if the kids were like, you know, misbehave. It's like, okay, go get some exercise. And, you know, a lot of the time like that played a major role. I remember in my early 20s, I experimented a a lot with Whole30 and with um, mm. and with paleo. And I remember reading, like, I don't have children. So it was the first time I really saw how much food was affecting me. Mm. But reading in that community from people who had children, and maybe their children weren't 100% on the protocol, but because maybe it was the mom that was doing it, or both of the parents, a lot of the meals were going to be a lot more whole foods and real ingredients, that some of the kids who had some behavioral problems, it was managed a lot better, they were behaving a lot better. They were doing better in class and Mm -hmm. that it was having this major effect from that very early age that that you're so right. Maybe a medication. And if you need a medication, of course, take a medication, but you should not be getting diagnosed by somebody who is not a not a medical professional. And maybe if there are other interventions that that you can take, you know? Yeah. Intervention is a word I I try not to use because I feel more like Instead of intervene, that's what doctors do well. Like the kid comes in and can't breathe. Well, they intervene and get the airways open and make sure the kid can breathe again. So intervention is one thing, but bringing principles to bear, healing, true healing principles to bear on a condition or person situation is a little different. And so what are those principles? Well, they're, they're embodied in the D-R-E-S-S, you know, good nutrition and everything else, the detoxification, those are, those are immutable. They're, they're, and you can't run away from the consequences of poor nutrition or poor sleep or poor exercise and things. But I was reminded, Valerie, when you were talking about your dad, you know what we used to call kids like that? We just called them boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a boy. You know, he's going to do those sorts of things. That's the way it was back then. I'm 70 years old, and uh, I remember those years. You know, I have a good memory. And I I lived, you know, both my parents and, you know, kind of a normal upbringing and things like that. And we were allowed to rough and tumble a little bit, and it was considered absolutely appropriate. Yeah. And I think, too, like something that this newest generation of children, and I would say even, I mean, when I was growing up, I, I think it just has gotten worse and worse over the years is in terms of the nutrition, the the food is so processed now. And that was another thing with the Whole30 when I was doing that. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm reading every label in the store and seeing that there is food dye in the pickles and there was sugar in oh bone broth. Yeah. And you had to really read it to to see it. Or like even high fructose corn syrup and things that were not sweet. They were not. Oh, God, it's so true. I'm sure that, again, with with nutrition and you mentioned that um, when you're working with patients that it's all going to depend on the metabolic type. Are there any commonalities among what you do in terms of cleaning up diet? Well, thanks. Yeah, I could give some really good tips. You might want to get your pencil out for this one. How you feel after eating matters. And if you eat the right fuel mixture for your genes and everything else is equal, let's say you don't have a disease, there's nothing holding you back really. If you're just eating wrong, you're going to feel it. And if you're eating right, you're going to feel it. So what should you feel? And what could change that? So it's the ratio of protein, fat, and carbs is the best place to start. For the most part today, if you eat meat, you're getting plenty of protein and fat in the meat section. And it's just how it looks on your plate. You don't have to measure grams. 
or anything else silly like that, calories or any of that stuff. You just look on your plate and you're going to learn what percentage of protein, fat. Let's say there's, pretend there's a steak, less the protein and fat, and then there's some nice vegetables. Hopefully you're growing your own. I have this thing called lettuce grow, like lettuce, the word lettuce, and grow, lettuce grow. Everyone could grow their own vegetables on that thing. It's amazing. So if you looked at the plate, and this could be breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and it looked like it was about 50-50, 50% protein and fat, the meat, and then the other was the vegetables, then that's a certain ratio uh, that, that would be. So some people, believe it or not, do really well on about 75 to 80% protein and fat. These would be your paleo type. And the deal is that they're very fast oxidizers. They burn fuel very quickly. So they need slow burning fuel like protein and fat. It burns slowly. So if you're a fast oxidizer like me, I'm a very quick metabolizer, fast oxidizer. Because oxidization means you're burning the fuel. So guess how I feel 90 minutes after eating when I eat that way? high energy, really good energy, solid, that can get me through to my next meal. I also feel highly satisfied. Like there's this quality called satiation and uh, nothing was missing. I'm not craving anything. That meal was great, really nourished me. And then the third quality or element would be actually sense of well-being or mood, like good mood, like you're in a good mood. So if you eat uh, look at what's on your plate. Matter of fact, we have people write it down. We have these called diet check record sheets and you keep them for about a week. And then you learn like, wow, I, I can't believe it. I've had so many people, Valerie, they say, I can't believe eating more protein and fat for breakfast was good for me. You know, now at 10 o'clock, instead of needing a snack and feeling kind of tired and irritable and uh, like something that was missing, I actually feel good. I feel high energy. I can get to my next meal. I feel satisfied, I'm not craving anything, and I actually feel like I'm in a good mood. So food, again, everything else with your health being equal, is a perfect indicator. So that's the qualities of satiation, energy, and mood or well-being, all in one, all from just how you ate breakfast or lunch or dinner, whatever it is. And, And so you start to figure out what is the right ratio of protein, fat, and carbs for me. And it comes from your genetics. There's a genetic layer. If your ancestors were from the Ket- the Andes Mountains uh, and you're a, a Quechuan native, well, you're a high-carb person. You're a slow oxidizer. You, you survive very well. You have the same feeling of energy, well-being, satiation from potatoes and corn, you know, which to me, I'd be starving. I would have no energy. I would feel miserable and be craving all the time if all I ate was carbohydrates. So this is bred into our bones by you know tens of thousands of years, millennia, into our bones. Our genetic requirements for energy production is really, really uh, an important aspect of eating for sure. Now I can go on and on, but I'm just saying like metabolic typing and getting the diet right. Once you know the principles, you can do it. And I spent a quarter century, which is a big part of my life. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that that's so important to just have that understanding. And I think even kind of just taking it back to a mindfulness piece there with you're eating something and taking a moment to think about how am I feeling and reflect and actually sit in your body. Because I think that's also something that when you're dealing with, in my case, oftentimes, I think it's the autoimmune side. But when you're feeling, again, these vague symptoms, you almost go out of your body. And I think you stop trusting your body and not really understand like, you know, I was so sick as a kid that I as an adult would sometimes go to the doctor and almost nothing was wrong, but I just didn't know because it was really hard to get a gauge on it for, for a little while. And I think that doing something like that and getting to know what's going to work for you and using that data behind it and then kind of adjusting. And I think that takes the control back, but it also just gets you back into your body. Yes. And again, having a system for other than trying to get lucky, has always been what I thought was missing in the beginning, 25 years ago. People just don't know the principles in, involved and how to apply them um, because we're being sold a bunch of crap all the time. Yeah, it is definitely an industry. <laughs> and, you know, to put it mildly. <laughs> yeah, and so I think it's I think it's so great that 
something like this, you're actually giving people the testing that they need so that they can then, because again, there is so much information out there. And if we just Google diet right now or best diet for blank, I remember one time with two conflicting health things, getting conflicting information on whether I should eat tomatoes. There are so many foods out there that aren't really inherently one way or another, there are health benefits and there are problems depending on how you're depending on who's eating it, not to cut you yeah. off. Depending on who's eating it. So that's the magic that in the, the, the understanding that we begin with is that there's no inherent quality to any food. I mean, it has its protein, fat, carbs, its vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, antioxidants, amino acids, trace elements, phytonutrients. Yes, it's got all that. But which ones are right for you? That's genetic. That's built into your bones. And if you eat that way, you're going to have the energy. You're going to have the sense of well-being. You're going to be satiated. And you're going to know it. And it's amazing when you start eating according to your metabolic type. Now, people have things that will throw it off a little bit. If you, if you come in with certain health conditions, it's a little bit harder to figure out. But we have the supplements. We have the sleep. We have the exercise it was to the dress program to keep you going keep you on track while we refine that diet and again the supplements can be very helpful one thing i'll point your audience to as far as the foods go is the environmental working group so it's ewg.org and it's just a, it's a free place to go and get information ewt environmentalworkinggroup.org they will tell you which foods are the most toxic which foods are the safest and hopefully they work with your metabolic type but when you said depends who's eating it it's true but there are certain foods that are bad for everyone there, there's no foods good for everyone but there's certain foods that are bad for, like sugar we all know you mentioned high fructose corn syrup i was amazed the other day because there's a certain type of smoked beef sausage that i like and my wife's reading the label the day she goes oh my god this has got high fructose corn syrup in it and I'm going, oh, my God, you just ruined my lunch because I was <laughs> really enjoying it up until you said that. You know, I love And that's the thing. See, they're putting stuff in our meat even. Who would put high fructose corn syrup on meat? Well, these guys did because they knew it would taste really good if you did. You got to pay attention, I guess, right? Yeah. I really wanted pickles. And I remember reading all the le – it was very hard to find pickles in just my regular grocery store. It t I finally did. But it was hard to find pickles that didn't have food dye or mm -hmm. corn syrup. And it was wild. And I definitely want to check out um, EWG's, the, just the, the foods on there. I've used it. And I think listeners will find this beneficial too. I've actually used it to look through personal care items that I've used. Oh, yeah. And I'm certainly, you know, I, I definitely use some things that are questionable, but it's at least helpful especially when I want to try, I'm looking for a new type of product that I don't already have. Well, let's look mm -hmm. and see what brands are actually putting out something that is good for us and isn't like completely poisoning us because, oh my gosh, just going through what was in my cabinets. None of them were like the really horrible, but they have their skin deep, I think is what it's called, where they can mm -hmm. search. Yeah. And none of mine were like on the, it could be green if it was really good, red if it was going to kill you tomorrow and I think a lot of mine were in the yellow zone and maybe some parts of the packaging were good or certain ingredients were good but then even the ones that were sold as clean are actually not quite as clean like there is a carcinogenic ingredient in it that you know it's just it was just so interesting and eye-opening so I think having resources like that to really look into what we're putting into and on our bodies I think it's so important and uh Again, these are what we call contributors to metabolic chaos. The household products, the personal care products, the stuff that's in our clothing and in paint. Like if you get a room painted, my wife wants to paint. And I'm like, we're not painting because, you know, I can't stand the fumes. I don't want that stuff in my breathing environment, stuff like that. We compromise a little bit. But, you know, generally we're not painting around here very much because it's toxic and it gets in you and, and it's hard to get out, you, you know. Who can detoxify that well? And so we're, we're, we're on the same page. Yeah, it's challenging. And just knowing that there's formaldehyde in plenty of, you know, and, and the number, there was a really big problem back in my hometown in one neighborhood where the Chinese drywall 
mm-hmm. and people were getting very, very sick. And so there is so much out there and some of which like maybe we don't you know, we're not as aware. We don't have, hopefully you have control over where you're living, but it's, it's a harder thing to, to change. But I think at least being able to work through these things that we are doing to ourselves on a, on a daily basis. And I know with these, they're all stressors, but in general, I think we have all kinds of stressors in our lives. We went through a pandemic, we have political turmoil, we have all the things happening in the world and families, children, just life happening. What tips do you have in general for dealing with stress and just lifestyle factors we can take into account there? You know, it's a huge question because there's so many types of stress. You know, we were alluding to that earlier. I categorize them into three big areas. One is your mental, emotional stressors. And when you say the word stress, that's what people immediately think of, oh, I hate my job and driving to work sucks and my kids are misbehaving and financial. I mean, just name all the stuff, right? But there's other types. For me, I don't worry too much about things, but my physical body, I've got such a will-used body. The sports that I did in extreme sports and I've injured myself. Unfortunately, I did some stupid things or at least very risky things. And now I pay for it with I'm spending a lot of money on, you know, stem cells and things like that to rebuild my body. Well, your body responds the same, whether it's that you hate your job or your shoulder hurts. The body's reaction is to elevate that cortisol to DHA ratio for the most part, for as long as it can. You'll go into this adaptive state. So your body's adapting all the time. And then there's another kind of stress, and that's the chemical and biochemical stressors. The environment, going back to where I came from. I knew how bad the environment was because I studied it and saw dead animals, flora, fauna, you know, again, air birds, water trees, bees, and started wondering, what about people? Well, it's bad on us too. So you have three different areas and just like anything else, which one's your weakest area? Do you need to work on your relationships, whether it's your relationship with your spouse or with money or your kids or with your church or God or whatever, you know, what? and you can reduce a lot of stress in that area through communicating and getting on the same page with people, creating understandings and not taking any crap. <laughs> but, you know, now with the physical, so that's the mental emotional and it's a, it's a big area. Some people, I'll say that in my efforts to help them overcome obstacles to healing, it was in their mind a lot. I mean, I'm not saying, oh, it's all in your head. I'm saying that to some, for some people, obstacles to healing are more in your mind and emotions than maybe in your physical body or your environment. And so th- th- that's a worthwhile consideration. You know, so you got the, all the mental, emotional, and you got all that physical, and then you got the chemical, biochemical. Well, we, we moved out in the country because we didn't want to be in the city breathing that stuff. And it's not perfect here either, but we also grow our own food. It's completely 100% organic vegetables all the time. And so we do buy our meats and buy them mostly online. So you can just start at your weakest area. For some people, I think I alluded to this. They have no purpose in life. And that's stressful. If you get up, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Look at a, some 19, 20-year-old doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up. They're lost and they're stressed out and they resort to silly things, risky things. I think that's part of that mental, emotional, spiritual aspect that you can't be ignored. Can't be ignored. You know, That's why my, my people that I train ask all these questions. We have questionnaires that help sort it out into what are the weaker areas in terms of how you're showing up to us, what are your main complaints, and a lot more. And then we can go from there after we run the labs. Absolutely. Well, I think all of those are really important for us to be keeping in mind because, yeah, I think we do often go to the mental and emotional, but even within the mental and emotional, I think oftentimes we don't give it credit unless it's like the big traumatic thing that happened or something that's like whatever society is defining as the most stressful thing, or we think that what we're going through is totally normal. And I think we do have, you know, we have that hustle culture now where it's like, go, go, go. And when you are tired, drink a coffee or an energy drink and keep going. And it's not necessarily the way we're meant to to be living. And so then we're like not, not giving credence to that. I think that that's really harmful for us. I love with the physical, the Pilates, because that was founded to help, um, 
the the founder, I think, you used it basically to heal his own in- injuries. So it's a really great one for healing your own body. Yeah, you're so right. His name was Joseph Pilates. And the Pilates system is what the, uh, is it the Sw- Swedish Army uses now um, as their entire training program? It's like, it's phenomenal. He healed a broken body. He wasn't allowed to be on sports teams because he walked funny and looked funny. And um, he fixed himself. And now it's a world-renowned system of core strengthening and straightening and balance and all these really important things. And it's helped me a lot. I mean, I even find that when I'm sore between Pilates and then I think a lot of yoga poses, which there there mm-hmm. are there is some crossover, I think, with with some of what you might do in those two. I feel like between those two, that really does help me quite a bit. And hey, if I can do that instead of taking an NSAID and wrecking my stomach, mm-hmm. you know, hey. There absolutely is crossover. And you could throw a uh, you know, Qigong and some of the martial arts in there because they're they're about balance and resiliency within the physical body, strength and flexibility and, and all these sorts of things that are really critical. Absolutely. I do have, I would love to switch gears a little bit. I have some rapid fire questions that we get to know you a little better and yeah, just um, I'll fire away and, and we'll go from there. Okay, dope. Uh, so what is your favorite self-care practice right now? Uh, it's got to be meditation right now. Getting, I get in my infrared sauna, which I have. So I guess it's a combination of therapies. And I listen to my meditation. And that's my favorite. It's not my most frequent, but it's my favorite for sure. Being more self-aware, working on separating my essential being from all the crap going on. You know, it reminds you kind of who you really are. So I think that's my favorite. Oh, that's fantastic. I love the idea of combining those two as well. Now, if you had a one-word theme for this year, what would that be? I'd have to say expansion because we're expanding. I I have wonderful, wonderful people working with me. We're a great team. You know, it's my company, but they're very vested in the mission. They're all really mission-driven, and the company's doing very well. So expansion, spreading the love, I would have to say. I think that's such a great theme to have. And I think it's so powerful in in the type of work. Well, I think in anyone's work, but I think especially when you're patient driven, you're really able to, you know, with spreading the love, I mean, your patients feel that. And I think it impacts the overall results that they're going to have. Results driven. Yeah. You just said the key word, it's results driven. And so we all track our statistics and things like that, that prove we are expanding. What you can measure, you can expand on, you can improve. If you're not taking measurements, then it might feel good, but you're, you got to actually take, that's why we love the labs because they show you your before and after. And so, so I agree with you completely. And anything that isn't growing is dying according to certain philosophies. You know, you're, Mm. you're, you're going up, you're going down. There's no staying the same in this world. The world hates a static situation. You know, you've heard nature abhors a vacuum. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I, I really, really love that theme. I think that that's amazing and just something really fantastic to be striving for. My final question for you from our rapid fires, what are you most looking forward to right now? And this can really be any area of life. It can be personal, mm-hmm. professional, oh, wherever you want to go. <laughs> Well, big picture, you know, would be to just spend more time in Cabo with my wife, hiking and, and doing the things we do down there, writing. I'd like to have more time to write a couple books. I'm, I'm working on one right now, but it's very slow go. So I would say turning my company over to the employees and they can have it. I kid you not. Most people in my position would be their exit strategy would be to cash in their chips and I don't really need to do that. I can do very well by turning it over to the wonderful people who work for me. I've been training the leadership and, and that have about 40 people. So I know that's a mouthful, but yeah, I, I want to not retire, but spend more time writing and working on myself. Well, I think that's amazing. Cabo, first of all, just sounds beautiful. It sounds like the perfect place to be doing that, especially the the hiking too. But I enjoy writing. And when you can write in a beautiful place, it's even better. And yeah, being able to, to spend the time doing the things you really love. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wish I had grandkids kind of keep getting tempted to coach football again. You know, I'm very youthful. I'm, I'm 70, but I'm really don't feel it one bit. 
people say I don't look it, and and I got a lot lot of spirit left. My mom's ninety four next week. So, Happy birthday to her! Yeah, I've got some longevity going, and so we'll see what the future holds. But thank you for asking. Of course. No, I think that's all amazing. And I'm excited to see what's next for you and for um, for your organization and just for the work that you're doing. And Reed, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know our information for you will be in the show notes, but is there anything else that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? <laughs> Keep your chins up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like really how I get up in the morning, I really try to remember every day before I put my feet on the floor. You know, because that's the moment. Because if your feet are on the floor, what's next? you're getting up and you're going and you're going to the bathroom and downstairs for coffee or whatever. But I try to take a second before I put my feet on the ground to be thankful. One of my students is kind of a big shot now, Ben Azadi. He'd be a good guy for your podcast, by the way. He calls it vitamin G. It's that important. It's like a vitamin. It's a daily vitamin. Your gratitude dictates your attitude. And if you start off every day looking at the cup is half full, then one day it may runneth over. I really love that. I think that that's a powerful reminder that we all need. I think it's so easy to wake up and just go, go, go. Time to get the day started and not take the time to reflect and be thankful for everything that we have in our lives. So thank you for that reminder. And thank you so much for coming on the show and for all the work that you do. Well, Valerie, same to you. I think you're doing an amazing job with your podcast. You're reaching people, spreading the love, getting them to pay attention, be more aware of their environment, be more self-aware. And through education, that's, that's what we do, right? So good job to you too. Thank you for tuning in this week and for being a part of the Wellness and Wanderlust community. Reed shared a lot of great tips about the many facets of our overall wellness and how we can better take back control of our own health. I loved what he said at the end about gratitude and how he starts each day. I think that that's such a powerful message that we all need to hear and it tends to slip by us pretty easily, but it really does tie back to our physical, mental, and emotional well-being. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Reed has a guidebook he's sharing with our listeners for free for a limited time. So thank you, Reed. You can check it out in the show notes to learn more about the Dress for Success protocol and how you can incorporate it into your life. And we've also included information about Reed's company in the show notes as well. If you have found this episode valuable, I so encourage you to share it with your friends and family. Your support helps us to reach more listeners and make an even more positive impact on their lives. Don't forget to leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us continue to bring you exceptional content and amazing experts in the field. So I can't wait to hear from you all. And until next time.